Hello, you thousands of beautiful reflections of me, and welcome to season two, episode seven of Duelist Unity. I am playing the part of Andrew today. And reality still insists on calling me Ray, so I'm just going to go with it. Uh, so we're we're just chatting, as we typically do, and one thing we were getting into before we were like, all right, let's, let's just get this going, get the intro in here, um, is the idea of going back back, quote unquote, back to unity. And this was something I was contemplating yesterday and it went along. I was just thinking about the act of, of suicide or, or killing this idea of yourself, this, this body that you have identified with. And through that, I got to, well, when people want to say, they see that everything is one and they see that this is like a illusion of duality and they're like, oh, it would just be better if everything just went back to unity. It's like, it is unity right now. There is no difference with being singular unity without the illusion of division versus what we have right now with the illusion of division. Because if you see that it's an illusion and you're able to recognize the illusion, it's no longer an illusion. Like if you see an illusion, it's not an illusion anymore. So it is no different now than when the moment before the Big Bang happened or, or when the Big Bang happened as, as we were compressed into such a small speck of, of matter and then exploded or expanded into what we see now as the universe. There's no difference there. It is still all unity, unified whole. We have just developed such a strong identity with this illusion of duality that it feels like it's different, but it's not. And as you're able to see that, you can recognize that it's no different whatsoever. It is still full unity. And once you're able to see the illusion, it's no longer an illusion. Yeah, that's actually what helped me deal with my suicidal tendencies when I came out of depression was the realization that I'm not going anywhere. That was it. It wasn't that suicide suddenly was no longer an option. It's that it didn't go anywhere. Even if Ray dies, my awareness, awareness continues. Awareness always exists. Awareness is in everything. And this is why I've often said, like, when people wonder what, what happens to me when I die, I'm busy being everybody else throughout time and space. That's the point, right? Because the illusion and the truth exist simultaneously, right? The truth of nothingness, of potentially anything, exists at the same time as potentially everything. So all of the experiences that we're having all exist within that, that truth, which is no space and no time and no identity and no separation. It all exists in potential. So this is where people tend to get caught up on, on the entire idea of what happens after death. Because again, we're still thinking about I, right? But time ceases with the experience of living. So when you die, there is no time. There is no after death. All there is, is the continuous incarnation of every other living, uh, living being, including the living being that you just died from, all potentially existing in the present moment, which is nothing at all. So there's nowhere to go. You're always incarnating for eternity because it's all you. I said this on another video recently that it's all you on all scales. So it's not just you, the body, but it's also you, each and every cell within your body experiencing itself individually. It's also you, the entirety of the earth and every plant and animal on it experiencing themselves individually as well as collectively. So on all scales, it's, it's the same I from different perspectives. Right. 
And so it's all just one thing that at the end of the day is eternal and doesn't exist at all. It's good fun. Yeah, I feel like it all comes back to just like any of these things that we talk about, it all comes back to how you define yourself. And once you're able to see, it's like, it's like this sort of process and I'm hesitant ever to say process, but it's this process of like recognizing that you are not the story that you tell yourself. And if you are not the story, then this identification is nothing more than a story. So if you are not this identification, then you are what is here and now. And if you are not, if you are here and now without the identification, you are everything. And if you are everything, then you are nothing. Or if you are everything, then you are one thing as everything. Because everything and nothing, that's saying the same thing. Because it's it's how you perceive something individually relative to everything else. It's all relative. So, you know, without the background behind me right now, you wouldn't be able to see me. So without everything else around you, without people other people to compare yourself to, you wouldn't build up this identity because we've talked about this before, but saying that you're tall or short or rich or poor or skinny or fat, there is no objective there. It's all subjective and it's all relative. You can't know tall and short. If the average height was seven feet tall uh, in the universe, then everyone on earth would be considered short or 99.9% of people. So it's all relative to everything else. So coming back to how you define yourself, it's like recognizing the illusion of self, the illusion that the, of the story that you've told yourself, recognizing that that isn't the truth, that it's just everything leading up to right now, but you are never not right now. Like it's the place you can never escape, no matter how hard you try. It's, it's impossible because it is you. It is the fabrication of yourself. So recognizing that, seeing that you're not that, then what are you? Then you're right now. Everything is right now. You are everything. If you are everything, then you are nothing, or you are all as one experiencing yourself, the dreamer and the dream experience, experiencing itself as everything right now. But it is sort of that process of recognizing the illusion to start. But once you do, because that was my first step and I kind of got caught in that first second step for a while, pretty much until I came across Ray. And I was like, well, it's not, you know, being the awareness of Andrew is still fairly egotistical. It's still separate. It's still identified. And once you realize like Andrew is just an identity that's made up, then, then it's like, there is no limits to you. You're, you are all as, as the present, as Ray says. Yeah. Exactly. The problem is, is that we have problems. We have problems thinking paradoxically because what you're trying to describe is something without a container. And that's very difficult because we're always used to thinking in terms of containers. This is me compared to everything else. And, and this is something that I, I tend to have an issue with when I run across the, the spiritual uh, fallback of everything as I am. And that's true. Everything living, every experience is derived from the I the experience of I, the illusion of I, that the illusion of separation. But reality, God, truth, whatever you want to call it, has no I because there's no other. So there can't be an I, right? There's no walls. There, there's nothing except being. 
And that being is everything. So there's no words that can describe this. There's nothing within our language that can get anywhere close because everything in language is dualistic. It's all me versus you, this versus that. It's all dualism, it's all division. And so we're trying to communicate something that is unity, but not because even unity implies duality is a possibility, right? That division is a possibility. So all of these words get close to describing the eternal the endless, Yahweh, the ineffable, right? But they can never actually do it. And so we fall back to, well, I am that I am, which is the, the biblical thing, or just like everything is the God is I am, which is, is true. That's the common denominator to our existence. But the reality is that there's no I. There just is. And the experience of what is, which is always from the perspective of I, so it's way more complicated than people tend to make it because we, we still want to hold on to the idea of I, that when death comes, there's still a me. And while that's kind of true, the me you're thinking about isn't me because there's no other to compare it to. Yeah, like saying I, and it's so, it makes this conversation so fucking difficult <laughs> to, to say with words. But whenever you say I, it's like there is at least an ounce of identity involved in that. But what about what about a word like everything? Is that still dualistic? Because that's is that implying that there's there's things to be that aren't like it, it's like still some sort of container? Yeah, there's things. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's uh hush. Yeah. When you realize that there's no bounds to it. And I remember hearing someone like Jim Carrey would, would talk about this. And I, that was something that I never was able to grasp is like when he would say there is no me, like I was kind of able to get that. And it was like, I, I am boundless potential. Like, and, and it's so hard to wrap your head around that because you can't like, there's no way to conceptualize it. There's no way to put it in a box and describe it. Like there, it's like a pool with no, no walls, no, nothing to contain it. It's just infinite. And especially as you get into like space and trying to conceptualize that. And, and we try is the interesting thing. And, and people have asked me to, I think you mentioned this in one of the first episodes, like how long is the moment? how long is right now? What is it that you said? Like they tried to measure it as like a 0.001 milliseconds or something. And it's like, it's, it's not measurable. Like measurements are within the moment. The moment is not within measurements. So, so that is kind of the paradox and it's like an unsolvable thing. And it's fascinating. I actually filmed a video today that I'll probably post later tomorrow. Just how many things we try to figure out not knowing that they're futile, like knowing yourself or figuring out your life. Like I should have my life figured out. And it's like, I made, I just kind of ranted for like a minute. And it was like, why do you want to have your life figured out? Because everyone's telling you that you should, or like, what, like, what do you do? Say you're like, oh, I, I got my life figured out. It's like, what do you do now? Just stop living. Like life itself is the process of figuring out without no, it's almost like knowing there isn't a, it's like an asymptotic thing. Like you can't 
meet that habit figured out because you are it kind of like knowing yourself, like you can know about this idea of yourself. That's a fiction, but knowing yourself, like the, that who is the knower cannot be that, which is known. Like Alan Watts talks about that a lot. Just like, you can't touch the tip of your finger with that same finger. You can't cut a pair of scissors with that pair of scissors. You can't taste your tongue. You can't bite your teeth. You can't know yourself. You can't figure life out as life experiencing itself. So there's so many things that people try and do. They spend their whole life trying to do this thinking they should like resisting everything, kind of having this, this grand goal of, of doing it. And it's like, just sit back, relax, take a deep breath. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing, nothing to accomplish, nothing to achieve. It just is right now. But the ego doesn't like that because, because you can't build on anything in infinite, eternal now understanding that there's nothing to build off of or an ego to build off of because ego is dualistic exists in time through accomplishments and achievements so yeah anyway (laughs) welcome to why zen is so much fun because that's the whole zen thing how can we even talk about this where are you going what exactly is the point you're trying to get to that you're not already And that's the whole Zen thing. That's why Zen is so frustrating for so many people because they won't even get into the conversation like there's something to achieve. What are you talking about? That seems really weird. You know, like one of my favorite stories is a a Zen student in the middle of class just stands up, grabs his fan, smacks it on the table and walks out. Teacher's like, that's perfectly acceptable. No explanation whatsoever, right? And it's because why should you? That's just what's happening. Welcome to it. And of course the, the master just like, gotcha. No problem. All the other students are like, what the hell just happened? Right? Did I miss a chapter? Right. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's just that this was, this was his will in the moment and that's it. But I want to talk quickly about um, how this insight came to you, because I think it's very important because I know early on in season one, we were talking about psychedelics and meditation and various other things that you can use in order to establish some sense of clarity, but that kind of becomes misleading in thinking that those are the things that are always going to lead you to clarity, all the fun stuff, all the relaxing stuff, all the stuff where you're at ease. Um, And I just wanted to mention very quickly here that your experience this weekend, which led you to this day of being insightful, wasn't one that was based on psychedelics. You were drinking, correct? Yeah, it was kind of like on a hungover day a little bit. Exactly. And what's funny is that in that hangover, you had the opportunity to either grasped for the typical energy source, which is, of course, ego and control and identity and all of that, the narrative. It's like, this is how I'm going to buoy myself while I feel like shit. I feel like I have more control, right? Or you can let that go and just kind of ride it out. And what was funny is that as you let go and you were riding it out, all of a sudden your brain started kicking and you started having all these fun, these fun insights as a result of sinking past the pain, as a result of sinking past the discomfort. And it's exactly the point is because It doesn't matter what brings you to the present. What matters is what you do with the present. But as soon as you're there, opportunities open, right? As soon as you're there, all of a sudden, it's like your brain just kicks back into high gear. And we go around all the time trying to feel better about ourselves, not realizing that it's the natural state of just sinking past our opinion of what is. As soon as we sink past our opinion, as soon as we sink past that illusionary I, all of a sudden we are reality experiencing itself. And I find it really funny that you were saying that, you know, we're trying to figure out what life is all about, not recognizing that we are life having the experience of figuring ourselves out. 
Yeah. And that just comes back to the illusion of, of any separation whatsoever, thinking that you are outside of this thing of life or outside of, of what is and the experience, like you are just the experiencer and not the experience as well. You are not, you are like outside of it, but also because you're outside, you feel separate and you feel alone and then you feel anxious and then you feel depressed and all that, as opposed to just being it, like being intertwined, interwoven with it, no disconnect whatsoever. But yeah, yesterday was interesting because I wasn't super hungover by any means. I've had much worse days of hangovers. It was just a slight headache, but usually with hangovers for me, it comes with just feeling more down, feeling a little more anxious about things, just, just things are much easier. It's like my skin is a little thinner. So it's, it's a lot easier for things to, to get me worried or something. And I, I remember Ray mentioning that when you are hungover or something like that, it, usually you cling to identity to feel better, but your identity is still, is the thing that's causing that sort of depressed or, or anxious feelings because you, it's like you're, you're close, more closely tied to it. It's, it's like, it's a tougher time recognizing that sort of separation or getting caught up in the illusion a little bit easier. And so yesterday I was able to recognize it and I kind of remembered that. And I was like, yeah, it, it just comes back to my identity. Like I'm not Andrew, anything that comes up has nothing to do with, with me. It has to do with this illusion of me. And through that, because just, I, I recognized that early on, all of a sudden, all these things kept hitting me. And I, I was just thinking about things like, oh, you know, I feel a little bit separate right now, but you know, what if, what if we did just go back to unity without the, without any illusion of division, but then it's like, well, if the division is just an illusion, then we are unity right now. Also, like there's no, there's not two different experiences. There's not the experience of unity and the experience of the illusion of duality. It's just unity and unity with an illusion that we have identified with, like we have pushed it and, and felt so strongly about it that we think it's the truth. And we think that it's, we think of it as like two different experiences, but it's not, there's no separation there either. Like it's the same exact experience. And so recognizing that it's the same experience. It was, it was quote unquote, was you then it is you now both in the unity without any illusions or distortion of duality. And now with seeming illusions of distortion and duality, but it's the same you just experiencing yourself as everything both times, just with seeming differences and, and feelings of division because there is so much identity and, and such ego driven mentalities now, but it isn't, it's no different whatsoever. It's, it's like crazy. Ugh. Yeah. And it's hard for us to get our mind around, right? Because, okay. So if we were to take it just from the internal experience, right? Because on our, our uh, dualistic hoodie or dualistic unity hoodie that is now on our store. And I encourage everybody to go check that out. The, the line is the universe you're aware of is your awareness. And you can look at that a number of different ways, but the fact is the only experience you're having is yourself. That's all you're experiencing. You're experiencing your interpretation of what you think is reality. You're experiencing your, your perception 
of separation you're experiencing your own mind. And let's just say that that's all you're experiencing, that you're dreaming right now. Let's just say you're dreaming and everything you're experiencing is your mind that you perceive as separate but isn't, okay? Then you come across another character and you talk to that character, but that character is also your mind. Now, the fun part is, is that for that character, they're having the same internal experience of only experiencing their own awareness because the dream is also theirs. So we try to describe the dream as a physical universe because we can interact with one another, but we're all having the same internal experience of an external that is only our awareness. It's just because there's so many of us and because we're so different, we just assume we're all experiencing a different internal but we have the perception of a different internal. That's what space and time is. It facilitates the illusion of time and space and division and all of that other fun stuff, which is why if you were to die in the dream, you would still be the other characters in the dream, all individually experiencing different parts of that dream because they maintain the dream. So you never died. So I'm curious in like the nature nurture debate, something like that, for example, obviously, we have to, like, we come from different parents who have their own experiences. We have our own experiences, which are part of the, the nurture side of it. But then the nature also comes from genetics and, and DNA. Which is also whatnot. nurture, if you think about it, right? If you think about our genetics and our DNA and the entire process of evolution, it's also how we've been nurtured by reality. Yeah, that's a very good point. So it's kind of all nurture or nature <laughs> yeah it's like uh is there even any division there at all no there's not it's, it's it's part of the illusion as well so so yeah so then yeah because then internally because that's sort of what dictates how we feel so different to a degree like how we've been nurtured and, and what sort of root we have sprung from and branches and of branches of branches of branches of branches is the point that we feel like we've become so different and separate from say someone in America who has European roots versus someone who has, you know, East Asian roots or something like we, we can't see the connection there or see the connection between us and an animal. Like, my dog, Chloe, sitting. I'll show her real quick. Chloe, she's uh, my family's chocolate sitting right there. Like it, you can't see that connection as easily because we look so different. She's covered in fur and doesn't speak in the way that we do with language. But there is a common root between us. And it's the same awareness of what is. It's my awareness. And that's it's like just the it's like the deeper you get and going back to the first thing we were talking about with identification it's like where you identify what level you identify with and waking up is just kind of identifying as all as opposed to just fixated on the illusion of division and separation and feeling like that is the truth versus seeing beyond that and seeing that there is no division so even if at first you don't, you see that and you don't see yourself as everyone, then eventually you stay in that state for long enough. It, it inevitably gets to, oh, I'm, I'm everything 
you're me. There is no division whatsoever. So therefore, if I don't identify as, as Andrew, then I am all. Yeah, and it becomes more and more obvious as you continue to commit to that reality, right? But that's the thing is that you can't, it can't just be a conceptual commitment. I'm all, right? Because there's still I and all, right? It, it has to be the abandonment of all of those divisions. And, and language makes that very difficult. It's like you were saying about any trap. If you're not aware of the trap, you're stuck in it. Um, somebody, one of our listeners, uh, one of our avid listeners who I enjoy talking to, or at least I enjoy all their comments and I enjoy responding to them whenever I can, had asked, well, is there a language that wouldn't be as harmful? Is there a language where we wouldn't get so lost in dualistic or in duality? And my response was maybe body language, right? Because at least body language, there's a lack of that conceptual division. It's more of a, a free flow of you responding to the reality that you're a part of, right? And there's, there's, it's very much like I was saying in season one that my intuition has no voice. Right? Well, body language is very intuitive. You know, animals communicate on, on a whole other level. And when you're hanging out with your dog, for example, you can talk to your dog, but they don't really care about what you're saying. It's the tone. It's the stance. It's everything about you as a person when you're with that dog. And so the communication is a totally different type of communication. It's not the superficial, you know, drama and rhetoric that we tend to exist on as humans, where we're actually avoiding reality by existing within all of our conceptual illusions, right? They are in reality constantly. Right. And so, so are we, but we tune out of that. We, we get so lost in our inner narration that we've actually lose track of what our body is doing as a reflection of our actual state of being, which is why it's always fun to watch people's body movements. Like if you ask somebody to sit still in a chair for a few minutes, typically they'll, they'll start fidgeting fairly quickly. And the result or that result comes from the fact that they are not still within themselves. Right. So that person typically thinks a lot or talks a lot, or describes a lot, or complains a lot, and it's all movement, right? It's all conscious movement, as opposed to physical movement, because that conscious movement allows them to avoid that stillness, right? So yeah, body language is, is definitely more intuitive than language can be. But again, if you see the trap, it's not a trap. Like, this is why we talk about the description not being the described. That immediately cuts the rug out from language. Because if you're questioning every word that you use, you're not immediately following into its implied division. Right? So as always, it's just, it's just questioning things over and over and over again. But given all that, and, and what I wanted to say quickly was that um, I find it very interesting that there are two things happening, or at least two perspectives of what is happening. And I've went, kind of went back and forth with this perspective throughout the last 20 years of my life. There's me, the character, doing my thing and all the other characters doing their thing. And Sophie, uh, one of our followers on Patreon, was communicating this in our Discord server about uh, going to work. And then somebody else had said, you know, I, I just went to work and it feels really weird because they kind of complimented me on the job that I'm doing, but I don't identify with myself. And so it kind of feels weird to get a compliment. And I was saying that, yeah, when you're looking at the characters, when you're focused on the trees, it feels really weird, right? But when you start looking at the fact that the characters don't exist, that this is in fact the movement of one reality through multiple different pieces or multiple different extensions. That's your reality giving you accolades. That's your reality suddenly recognizing the growth that you've been going through. It's not individual people at all, but we tend to get caught up thinking about them as individual people, but they're not, right? It's reality as a whole moving, whether those characters are aware of it or not. That's the funny part. They could be totally bitter and still serving their purpose. Right, because there is the difference between the narration that we tell ourselves and the thing that's actually happening. 
right? And so I've, I've had experiences. I know um, when I was younger, I had a psychedelic experience where all of the moments where anybody had ever looked at me, kind of like catching me from the side of their eye or passing me on the street or anything like that, my brain just went through all of them, through a whole lifetime of moments of people have just caught, caught my eye, recognizing that it was my awareness each and every time, kind of keeping track of me because I'm not apart from it, right? Getting the characters out of the way, you start to realize that reality is you looking at yourself. And so you start to take out the, the, the individual dramas and you start seeing a much larger thing unfolding that has no division whatsoever. It's just like a giant rolling incarnation that you're a part of. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the, the Discord example because I chimed in there too about just work and, and kind of going through that. And I think it's interesting when you first sort of wake up or have these realizations and then things like that happen and it feels weird, but that's still, I guess I'm seeing more clearly now and that explanation helped a lot. It's still remnants of your ego identification because although maybe you see yourself as everything, you're not recognizing that they are you. It's like you, you've kind of shed your own identity, but still see others. So that's sort of a part of it as well. So any, it's funny because it's like any discomfort that you feel is an example of you still clinging to any identification or any illusion of duality whatsoever. So as you go deeper and, and stay on this sort of course or path or, or whatever you want to call it, you see that any discomfort that comes up or any, any fear or any anxiety is, is it's almost like a pointer for yourself or a little reminder, like, Hey, still got a little work to do. Like you're still seeing others. You're still seeing, you still think that's not you there. There's something in you that, that isn't quite fully convinced. And so it's kind of cool. Cause, cause you're able to see those not as these horrible things that you want to get rid of. And it's the same thing we're just talking about with me yesterday, being a little bit hungover and being able to work through that or any situation where someone goes through pain and is able to have moments of clarity through that is like recognizing that the opportunity in that, the incredible opportunity to be able to feel something, not be super comfortable with it, not absolutely love it, but, but seeing that you have an opportunity in that moment to see beyond that and experience a reality with sort of like within that pain almost or discomfort and recognize it for what it is and then take it as a reminder that hey that's that's you and as you see that then it naturally just subsides super quickly but yeah it, it's interesting with the uh the work idea like getting accolades at work because if you if you get uncomfortable you're seeing separation you're perceiving division when there isn't any. So when you're able to see that there is no division whatsoever, then it's like, oh, that's a, that's a cool thing. Like, it's not, it's not the truth, but it's, it's what is happening right now. It's like the Zen student slapping his desk and getting up. It's like, yeah, that's, that's happening right now. Okay. Let's, let's roll with it. Yeah. And it's, it's so obvious when you really want to think about the fact that we're not divided, that all of this is so, is so conceptual that my 14 year old daughter brought this up with me on a walk the other day. She's like, it's kind of weird that we don't actually have names. 
Like the only names we have are what people have given us. The only names we have are what you know our parents have decided to call us. Like we're not actually born with with names. It's like right, we're not born with names because we're not separate. We're not divided. We name ourselves, and then we invest in that. Like it's the truth, right? But we're born in the reality of unity. It's our brain and our mind and our culture that's developed around all of that crap that that really screws us over. It really gets us overly committed to the illusion. But it's right there when we're born. It's pretty obvious. Oh, man, I love that. That's so fun. Yeah, Celeste. Hell yeah. I love that take. Uh, that's something like I made a video kind of pointing something similar like that out that that when you're able to look at everything for long enough and see that we just name things like there, nothing actually has names. Nothing actually has labels. There's no objective labels to anything whatsoever, including ourselves. And yet we, we build up all of these identifications with everything. And that just perpetuates the illusion of duality of any separation whatsoever. But if you're able to see that nothing actually has a name, even the sun and the earth and the stars, they are all just things that we have named. Like, Orion's belt, like any of those, those aren't actually Orion's belt. It's just a, a formation of, of other stars, suns, far millions, billions of light years away. Like it's, oh, wow. Yeah. That is something that's very helpful when I, when I was able to see that more clearly that nothing actually, if there were no labels, there were no names whatsoever, it would become significantly more obvious very quickly that we are all the same thing we're all one. And that goes back to what level of identity you kind of settle at. Do you identify as, you know, within the skin that you're, that you're given, or do you see that that is, that is just a part of the happening that is, that is everything happening now. And, and it's a part of it. And when you go through that, it, it brings about just an appreciation for your ability to have any influence or, or capability of being involved whatsoever, but seeing yourself beyond the limitations of the name that you were given, the personality that you've identified with, all of it is, is just illusion. It's just perception. It's just ideas and none of it's the truth. And seeing beyond that is very freeing. <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden you're just happy to be here, right? Existence is its own reward, which is really what it should be at the end of the day. I mean, existing is pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, there's a lot of things involved with it. And there's some, some hardships and some chances that your body may die. But the alternative is non-existence, which doesn't have any time or space. So really, how exciting can that be? Right. And you could be like, well, it'd be nice for a break. But remember, there's no time. There's no break. There's no you. There's no rest. There's none of that because time is not a thing, right? You want to rest? Be alive. Then you can rest, right? But I wanted to take a quick moment here because we tend to get so caught up in this conversation that is ultimately you know, picking apart itself that by the end of the episode, we start to talk about some of the other things that we're doing. And most people don't actually get to the last 10 minutes of our two-hour episodes. And so I wanted to mention this quickly that we have a lot of stuff going on for anybody who's listening to this right now. And we'd love to have you involved. We have a Patreon page. You go to patreon.com slash dualistic unity. 
you will find just a whack of free stuff. There's an ebook e there from me. There's an ebook from Andrew. We do three live groups per month. Um, there's constant video footage that's uploaded that you will not find anywhere else online. We put our live shows from TikTok on there as well. Uh, it's $5 a month. And basically, not only do you get all of that content, but you also get, get to be involved with the things that we're doing behind the scenes that we don't share with our audience until later once they're done or once they're in full completion. Like right now, we're working on a sticker campaign. If you're interested in joining us on that and maybe putting some stickers up in your own city, definitely join us on Patreon because that's coming up in the next two weeks. Um, and then aside from that, like I said earlier, we have some new swag, some apparel and some accessories. If you go to dualisticunity.com and check out the store, you will actually see a banner there with some mugs and some sweaters and some yoga mats and some other, uh, there's an iPhone case and a Samsung case and stuff like that. All dualistic unity stuff, all of which help us perpetuate this conversation and get us more and more into the public eye so we can get more and more people involved with this conversation. So I just wanted to mention that quickly because we always tend to forget. Yeah, thanks for sliding that in there. I know we get so involved in the conversation because uh, we just we just like having it, quite frankly. It's always just been this entire podcast. People have asked us before, like, what do you guys prepare? Like, how do you pick out what you're going to talk about? Like, what do you what do you do beforehand? Do you, do you meet and touch base? And it's like, no, none of that. We start talking and we start recording, but we don't actually intro the episode immediately. We start talking and then we start getting deeper and we're like, all right, we should probably probably slip the intro in here and just keep it going. And then we just continue the conversation and continue the discussion of, of everything we've gotten to. And, and we have yet to run out of topics because and, and sometimes it, it feels like we go through some similar things on, on certain episodes, but there's just so much depth to it that we could probably spend, you know, hours, days on the same type, same realm, same sort of theme. And yeah, like we haven't even come close to running out of things to talk about. And, and it's just like a back and forth without, yeah, any plan whatsoever. And that's, I think one of the, one of the funnest parts is like, we're just, we're just shooting the shit here. Like there, there's no agenda, nothing, just having a conversation for the sake of having one. And we happen to touch on a lot of different topics that people seem interested in as well. So it's, it's cool that other people listen to, well, quote unquote, other people that I I'm listening to myself, but yeah, that's, it's just a conversation for the sake of having one. But if you're interested in being involved, like, yeah, check out Patreon, check out discord. There's, this is happening all the time, these conversations. So yeah, we'd, we'd love for you to be a part of it. Absolutely. And I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. We have lofty ambitions uh, right now. Andrew and I are talking about making a Patreon goal to basically take over a large billboard in New York, where we're going to rent that billboard space for, I don't know, a couple of months and put up a sign that gets everybody's attention about exactly the reality that we're all part of. Um, something quick and punchy. And of course, if you're on Patreon as well, you can vote on what's going to go on that sign as well as where that sign's going to go. Um, we really are just going to get in as many people's faces with this conversation as we can, not for the point of converting them to anything, not for the point of, of changing anybody's minds, but just to put the option in front of them. Because people in a certain state of mind, people who have beaten their head against that e egotistical wall for years, just want to have a conversation that doesn't involve it. That's all it is. And I mean, this conversation, this podcast is a perfect example. 
we don't have any goals. We don't have any structure. What we do is we get into a conversation about getting out of our own way. And then a conversation happens as a result of getting out of our own way. And that's the point that we're trying to get across is that your life does not require your ongoing egotistical interference for you to actually get better and better at living your life. And there's an entirely different level of faith and humility in yourself that allows you to actually be the intelligent, creative, spontaneous, enthusiastic person that you know you can be. It's just about finding the way there. And the way there is to move in the opposite direction to our cultural uh, belief system, which is egotistical. Repent, go the other direction. Right? And that's all we're talking about is that there is another direction. So we're going to get on billboards. We're going to get on some radio ads. We're going to do some advertising on YouTube at some point. We've got a lot of stuff in the works and you can be a part of it. Just come to Patreon, pledge $5 a month. That's the minimum. Uh, if you'd like to do more, you can uh, pledge $25 a month or $100 a month. You do get some free one-on-one -on -one coaching with either of those tiers, um, as well as the third tier, the $100 a month uh, tier. You also get some advertising where we will mention you in the credit roll at the end of each and every episode of the podcast. So there's lots of benefits all around, but more importantly, you get to chat with us one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, absolutely. Excited for uh, that to keep keep ramping up and whatnot and just continue having this conversation. But yeah, it's, it's interesting what you just brought up about just having conversation for the sake of having one and, and just almost like our inherent or our, I don't know, societal drive for egotism and just feelings of separateness and individuality. And I mean, for whatever reason that I thought of like the idea of original sin with, Christianity or Catholicism and just how it's like we come into this world thinking that, oh, we are inherently bad or wrong. Like that's how we start out. And then we have to go through some shit when we're a baby to like be cleansed. And it's such a fucked up, but fascinating idea that we have clung to that, but it, it goes along pretty well with our societal sort of, sort of feelings with our attachment to our ego identification to our story, because that is a part of the collective story that we as individuals are sinful, that we are inherent. It's almost like inherently bad because we decided to eat a piece of fruit a long time ago. And it's like, obviously that's a, there's symbolism in that story. It's not supposed to be a literal story from my understanding. And yet it has been taken literally, which is a whole other fascinating idea but yeah since and just from my own experience since living with less of that ego like less me involved like there's so much more freedom and so much less fear and it's funny because i do i just had i was the guest on a podcast today uh had a lot of fun um what was it called it was called your day off uh, it's typically like barbers and hairstylists, but one of the guys, they're two like barbers and one of them has followed me for a while and they have a podcast and they're like, well, we just want to talk to people we're interested in. So we decided to bring you on. And I'm like, yeah, I've never, I've cut my own hair once. I shaved my head when I was in high school. So, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's interesting how just seeing my own shifts in, in the conversation, because a lot of people will ask, you know, how, how, how have you gotten to these points? Like, what have you understood more clearly? And, and at first it was like kind of typical self-help 
type stuff like, oh, I just, you know, realized that it was silly to to care about what other people thought of me and things along those realms. And now it's like, there is no me, there's no identification. So like with that, there's nothing to fear. Like, tell me something that you're afraid of that doesn't have to do with your idea of you. And most people, I don't think a lot of people are having that conversation because with that, as you, I think it's interesting because as you go through the sort of self-help gauntlet of, of ideas and understandings, like they can help and they can help a lot of people like sort of shift their ego from being a, a detrimental sort of idea to a building up of itself and sort of build itself up to feel better. So all of a sudden people go from like wishing they didn't have this idea of self to being like, hell yeah, I love my idea of myself. I love myself, but it's a fragile existence in that way as well. And so I think I'm super grateful for having gone through all this stuff and recognizing like there is no me because it's a level of freedom. I, I never could have even contemplated, contemplated experiencing, but when I talk about it and, and say it, it's like, it's a very different conversation than most people have. And, and the guys on it, they were like, man, I am like, he's like, I, they were talking about how, cause we got into mushrooms a little bit and they've, they've tried some of that stuff. And they were like, man, this shit's getting deep, dude. And I was like, yeah, that, that's how it tends to go. And then I slipped in some dualistic unity promo and I'm like, this is, this is nothing. You should check out my podcast. I film every week with, with Ray, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation to, to just toss in the idea of it's, there is no me. It's not that I'm feeling better about myself. It's like, I recognize that there is no self. And so there's nothing left to worry about. Yeah, because it's a it's a reality whose time has come. Like it's an insight that that has been pushed off for so long that we're seeing the consequence of it. The world is that we exist in right now. It's like you even said, like even the self-help movement, kind of like religion, it has helped people to a point while at the same time reinforcing a different type of division. So as much as it's helped them get past some things, it's also reinforced other problems as a result. And so all of these conversations, all of these different religious uh, beliefs and all of these different, um, I guess, religious or spiritual practices have all been leading towards an insight that ultimately makes them irrelevant. That's the thing that people don't want to get to at the end of the day. And I know I have this conversation all the time is that the time for half measures is over. Like if you haven't been looking around at reality, it's pretty clear that until we actually make this the priority, we're going to continue to get what we've been getting. And what I mean by the priority is that we can't afford to continue to just work on feeling better. We can't afford to work on this path and then stop once we've gotten rid of the majority of the consequences that we are working through. It's like, oh, I, I don't feel so miserable now. That's good. I'm just going to talk to higher self. I'm just going to communicate with my spirit guides. Right. And that's great, except for the fact that you stop there, you're eventually going to start sliding backwards because that's a trap that's going to lead you back towards your identity. It's going to lead you back in that illusion because you're not meant to stop there. You can stop there, but there's more. Keep letting go of that division. The idea of a higher self doesn't exist. There is no higher self. There is just what is. 
and your ability to align with what is. Now, you could call that your higher self, but that's implying that you're somehow lower. And that's also a narrative. That's also an idea of who you are. So as long as you're talking to higher self, you are keeping yourself as a lower self. As long as you're communicating with spirit guides, you're not experiencing unity because you're projecting a division. And again, that's fine. You're welcome to do that. But when the consequence comes due, and it will, that's why. That is the reason why. And I don't wish that on anybody, but it's what's going to happen because it's always what happens when you reinvest in division as reality. You experience division as reality. So if you're going to stop at higher self and spirit guide, definitely expect that division to, to maintain that, that experience of lack to continue. But if you want to get past that, then you have to get past your idea of yourself, which means abandoning the crutches, abandoning the, the shore that you're holding on to rather than just letting go and being in the river. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced that because, you know, I was posting on TikTok for about a year before I woke up and I was talking about all the kind of like I, I've said it before, kind of beating around the bush of, of the idea of, oh, the present moment's all there is. Well, yeah, if the present moment's all there is, then it's all you are and it, it and you are it. And, and that's it. There isn't anything outside of that. So it's interesting because when people cling to ideas of, of spirit guides or higher self it's like it's still a conceptual idea that exists inside of your mind it's something that you have to think about in order to experience and i feel like something that i keep coming back to is the idea that anything you have to think about like whether it's religion god higher self like sky daddy god higher self spirit guides whatever story and narrative that you've clung to if you have to think about it it's not the truth if you can only experience it through thought and it's not the truth. So that's kind of been my test of things. When I come across things, it's like, can I experience this in reality here and now, or do I have to think about it in order to experience it? Do I have to, can I only experience it via imagination, via thought? And our imagination is so powerful that that's why we're able to get to these types of stories. And some of them sound pretty good. They got a lot of you know, marketing value and then backing and, you know, history behind them and, and people who believe in, in the fiction and in the imagination that has been, that has birthed these ideas, but anything that stems from a narrative or an idea or a conceptual thought pattern isn't the truth because the truth is right now. It, it is the experience beyond the illusion of, duality beyond the distortion of identity beyond your perceptions of of lack or the lack of lack well i guess not the lack of lack but you know like building up that sort of positive side of ego in that way that double-edged sword but yeah so like it's like that's been my barometer is anything that that's rooted in thought and narratives and can only be experienced through that isn't the truth it, it can't be because they never are regardless of how much you want it to be. And that's really important. And then I say that after sending you a video um, of that gentleman who was talking to Bashar, um, where he walked up, talked to Bashar. It's like, I'm just looking for some insight. Bashar's like, okay, get ready to receive it. And then the guy's like shaking, doing the bacon, like, oh, thank you so much. Right. And then like, after that, it was like three other times he did that, even when Bashar wasn't leading him to do so. 
it was more or less like, you know, I know the game and he did know the game. Bashar even, he, he, uh, he said it straight up. Like, you know, I've been coming to you for 25 years. And then Bashar's like, well, thank you for your service, which I thought was super telling. Um, just because like, who's, who's being serviced here? Who's, who's really benefiting? Oh, Bashar is, right? But this guy was, was firmly in the fold. He knew exactly how to play along to the game. And so Bashar just did what he did best, which was to allow that person to fool themselves and to have you know, basically a, a placebo of an experience. And that happens all the time. I mean, I've been to Christian revival ceremonies. I've been to those places where it's like faith healing, stuff like that, where you go up, they touch you and all of a sudden you're like shaking, doing the bacon. All of that is just like psychosomatic response. All of that is self-driven. And people will say, well, no, it was a real experience. Of course it was that you created, right? Because you are the seat of experience, right? So of course you're always altering your experience always right but fooling yourself into experiencing something is not the same as actually experiencing what is right and that's that's the case and so spirituality becomes this this game where it's like you know i know i know the words i know the, the rules i know you know what to do and it always always ends up leaving you back at the same point of being unhappy i cannot tell you how many coaching clients i've had over the years who have spent tens of thousands of dollars on co on courses and and channelers and everything else just to come back to me and say i still feel like i don't have enough like i'm not enough and it's like yeah because none of that was going to help you find that all it did was take your money right because you don't need to pay to be enough you just need to get rid of all the reasons you don't think you are, right? And unfortunately, with a course that, that's teaching you how to be spiritual, they're trying to teach you how to become something rather than to accept what you already are. Because again, and we've said that before, it's not profitable, right? That, that's the whole problem with, with that entire idea. But it, it, it becomes a game and it becomes a charade very, very quickly. Like you were talking about baptisms earlier. Did you hear about this thing that happened recently where um, a priest had baptized thousands of, of children over like a decade or something like that. And then the church figured out that he was using the wrong word. He was saying we instead of I in the baptism. And so they basically nullified all of those children's baptisms. That's hilarious. Like, really? We're going to do this over a word? But that's exactly the point is that we've lost the form for the function. We've lost the point of all of this. And now we're just going through the ceremony thinking that the ceremony is the insight, right? And so this conversation is about getting past the ceremony. It's getting back to the mentality that spawned any of those spiritual practices to begin with, and then have just been lost in repetition and habit, because that's often what happens, right? Like how many times have you went to church to talk to somebody about God and all you hear about is their assumptions of Jesus, which has nothing to do with your existence or your connection to reality or anything else. It's all just belief and fiction and, and more importantly, me and who I am in relation to my relationship with Jesus. So to get back to the original point is to get out of our conceptual mess, is to get out of these ceremonies, is to get out of this conceptual division between me and God, me and spirit guides, me and a higher self or any of that stuff. And to actually just start rec recognizing that the game we play is an illusion. We were never divided. I feel like that comes back to the idea of un just unlearning all of this programming and conditioning like you said at the start like we don't come into this world with an identity with a name it's all taught it's all given to us and kind of shoved down our throat in a way to the point that we're like oh well it must be the truth everyone else 
believes it to be the truth. And everyone's telling me that this is what I am. So I guess it's what I am, but, but it's not. And so it's, it's almost more important to unlearn all the things that you've been programmed and conditioned to understand about yourself and the world around you. That is, that is the key more so than gaining more knowledge and even reading more books. Like that's all great and everything, but it's not, it's not the the core and the core of any self-help thing is unlearning more so than learning, like recognizing that all of these things that you think about yourself, it's not going to, they're not going to be solved by adding to it, like adding a better thing on that, like a better identity. It's like, no, it's peeling it back. It's recognizing that it isn't the truth because as you recognize that existing things you think about yourself aren't the truth, it'll be much more difficult for additional things in the future to be layered on because you'll immediately recognize that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And it's like a process that builds upon itself. And something else I wanted to bring up, because I came across uh, Daniel Tyak, uh, his, one of his videos, and he made a great point. I love the video, but I, I was, I didn't, I didn't end up commenting it because I, I think I was, I don't know, just lost the video somehow, something reloaded and, and wasn't able to find it immediately again. But recently uh, he had a video where he said, was kind of talking about the idea of belief and how people at some point in their life, like just, just question your beliefs, maybe take a break from your belief system for a second and just take some time to just experience things without the need for belief. And, you know, the church will still be there, whether it's the church or any sort of belief system. Like you take a month off, like just see how it is, like test out the waters. There's nothing wrong with it. So I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like everyone should do that. But in my head, I, from the perspective of someone who is caught up in belief systems, immediately I thought they're going to think, well, what if I die? What if I die in that time that I have left? I'm going to burn in hell for eternity. Like, so they, it's like, they're so entrapped in this distorted illusion that has been perpetuated by fucking men, by humans, that they can't even take a break because a break risks everything, literally everything. If they take even a smidge of a break, that's why anytime any questions come up or thoughts that maybe this isn't the truth come up, they, they suppress it. They're like, nope, oh, no, no, I, I don't want to burn in hell for eternity. I want to be in heaven and in, in paradise forever. And so that's why I think people get so mad when we make videos about questioning belief or questioning religion, because they don't want to do that. They, it happens to them. They already do it within themselves from time to time. So they don't want someone making a logical argument as to why their beliefs are total and complete bullshit, because that it literally risks everything. It risks eternity for them. So I loved his video. It was awesome. But immediately I was like, they, they can't, that's way too big of a risk in their shoes. That's how could they do that? If they die in that, you know, two weeks into that sort of hiatus, they're fucked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a great video and like a few people may take advantage of it. A few people who are already on the verge of leaving right? That's the thing is that the people who are already on their way out, I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I'm going to do that. Right. But it's the others, the others that are holding on to the belief because of the fear that the belief creates. 
that's the worst part about it. It's like, I'm going to hold on to this to protect me from the fear that it creates. <laughs> and so you end up in this vicious loop that I know very well. I, I was stuck in it for a very, very long time because it's not just about, oh God, I could die, but I could stray from the path. I could get caught up in sin. The devil could like entice me onto a different path. What if I never return to Christianity because of, you know, that small break that I took and there's all kinds of fears that go into that. And so Again, the conversation is where I see the most benefit because I've talked to a lot of Christians and I've tried that tactic of like, you know, hey, you ever consider just maybe taking a break or allowing yourself to experience life without the filter that you've, you've adopted, that kind of thing, to which their answer is always, why would I do that? Because they're invested in it. That's going to be their answer. They're not going to go, yeah, you're right. I've spent 40 years thinking about this. It's about time I take a break. But if they don't see the reason, if they don't see the purpose, they're not going to do that. I mean, this is something that in, in life coaching, I would talk to people about basically just allowing themselves to have a minute or two, a minute or two, not a month, a minute or two of existence without them thinking about it. And I would encourage them to do that. Just take a tea, sit out on the, on the deck, right? Listen to the wind, whatever it might be. Listen to some music, doesn't matter, but just to be present. And in that experience, they would come back and go, that was great. So, there we go. Now let's dig a deeper hole. Let's, let's pave that path into the present so you can start experiencing more and more and more of what it feels like. And that will inform your decision to leave your illusions. But you need to experience it first. You need to actually touch reality to see why reality is so awesome. Until then, you're just thinking about reality and all of your assumptions of reality. And that goes back against your assumptions of everything else. And then you're just weighing the pros and cons. Which assumptions do I want to believe in? Which ones make me feel the best? Right. And then the whole game is just getting out of assumptions entirely. Faith, as religion always communicates and never practices. A belief can't survive here and now. It's, it's fascinating how how quickly it you recognize when you're not thinking, when you're not caught up in your thoughts. And I experience that more and more these days. And it's like you can't have belief systems in that experience they don't they can't survive right now without thought they can't survive so if it's like everyone wants a quiet mind they're like oh fuck this voice in my head won't shut the fuck up and it's like yeah with that comes a lot more you're not you're gonna leave the church gonna stop believing in sky daddy all of these things the idea of you can't survive without thought like so many things that are that it's just like I think of it, I'm picturing like someone with a bunch of shackles around like a prisoner with all these shackles and they're like walking away as they stop thinking. And all of a sudden, like one shackle breaks and a leg shackle breaks. And all of a sudden they start walking and then they start running and they're like smiling. And then they're in a big open field with, with blue skies and suns out and, and flowers. And then they just like roll into the flowers. And they're like, oh, fuck yeah, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> But it's, it's crazy, and it's crazy, too, when you're tied up in those beliefs, how quickly the fear can arise, like, so quickly. These, like, these days, in my experiences day to day, like, fear, if I, if it, it would kind of have to, like, build up in a way. Like, I'd really have to get down this hole of, like, thinking about stuff and getting really caught up in this identity, which, which doesn't happen very often now. It's a lot more difficult to get to that point, whereas when you're in that state of, of belief, someone could say one thing, be like, you know, that's all bullshit. And all of a sudden you're like, 
no, 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 you're wrong. Like, why would you say that? Like, that's so messed up for you to do. Like, that's so, that's so horrible. You're so disrespectful of my beliefs. It's like, oh my God, I just had to say like four words and you, you got that freaked out. But so that's interesting too. Yeah. Belief is easy to, is easy to shake. I, I've said this before. And what's interesting is that when you start shaking it, when you start looking at it for what it really is and, and the fact that again, it's the cause of fear as well as the strategy for dealing with that fear. So there's that vicious loop and you start communicating that to people, especially Christians and whatnot, you'll get the response almost immediately. You're going to burn in hell. You'll see when you die, it's coming. Don't you worry. And the response there's nothing to fear. There's no division drives them nuts. It drives them nuts because that's exactly what Jesus was saying. That's exactly what the point of all of this is, but it, it has this, this coding of belief, this coding of dogma over it, right? That, that makes it more complicated than that, but it's not more complicated than that. Love your God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And he even said, they're like the same, they're the same thing, right? And that's the core, of all of it. So if you're talking to them, just stick to the core. We're not divided. There's no separation. You are your neighbor. And they will run from that. They will judge you from that. And it's just because while they will say, I want to follow Jesus, not as far as actually surrendering my control. Right? Which is why I've often said that if Jesus was to come back today, Christians would nail him to the cross. I've had that thought before too. Like, if Jesus, I, I've thought about that quite a bit. Like if Jesus were to come back, I think Christians would be the last ones to recognize him. Like if he actually came back saying the same stuff, like there's people out there saying that, like we talk about pretty much the same stuff that he was talking about, like on this podcast. And yet we are fucking demonized by Christians. And it is incredible to, to see that and, and be able to recognize and really see what he had to say, but it's, it's the distortion is perpetuated just by things like the Bible that people take those words as his, like the gospel of some other dude perceiving him and misinterpreting what he's saying, not actually what he's saying. It's like layers to it that they are taking as the truth. So it's like, until you recognize that you, it's like you can't really fault him too much it's it's unfortunate but yeah it's like it's like anything you know it's, it's like a serial killer as much as we you know we'll put him in jail because we don't want people just getting murdered left and right but you can recognize the path that led them there same with religious people same with you know anyone quite frankly anyone taking any action whatsoever when you recognize that you are them, you recognize the path that, that takes them to that place. And all of a sudden there, there isn't, it's like, there is no judgment left. There's, there's recognition of the unity there. And there's recognition of, you know, the uh, constructive versus destructive mentality, but there's not that immediate, like snap of a finger judgment of like, oh, this person's horrible. Like I could never be them because my soul is cleaner and I've, you know, gotten baptized and whatever, the, whatever the fuck people say. But yeah, it's like, you see it. And even with Christians too, like you see that, you see why, because you see the fear that it's rooted in and 
and the upbringing and, and how it's just kind of been beaten into them that it, there's no, it's like, it's inevitable to be in that place until they recognize it for themselves and recognize who they are beyond the distortion of belief and, and thought and individual judgments and perceptions. Yeah, exactly. But religion is, it's safety. That, that's the offer it makes, right? It's like, this is a tried and true path. It's been here for 2000 years. Look how many other people have followed it. They're all very godly. So just line up and we'll lead you to the promised land. Despite the fact that most of the people practicing Christianity are not happy, are not fulfilled, are in fact still judging other people, right? And, and it's like, okay, well, let's look at the nature of that. But you're right, it's not about judgment. We can't, we can't look at anybody else, anybody else, um, and judge because there is no division but we can discern. It's like we were saying between that, that difference isn't division. Discernment is just looking at the characteristics of something without necessarily judging your worth or value in comparison to it, right? Like a snake is venomous. That doesn't make it evil. It's just its nature, right? And the same is true for people who subscribe to a belief or identify with a certain structure of, of faith. There is, a, there is a natural consequence to that, as we've discussed earlier in, in terms of just that perceived division between myself and God or myself and reality. And, and so with that perceived division goes a need for a structure to tell me how to act, because obviously if there's a disconnection, I'm doing something wrong. So there's got to be a book. There's got to be somebody to tell me what to do. And then there's people who come along. They're like, I am a representative of God. I'll tell you what to do. And you're like, oh, sweet, representative of God. And then you figure out that that person's not actually a representative of God. They're the representative of the church. And they went to school for a very long time to learn all of these facts that really have nothing to do with your relationship with existence at all. Yeah, so is that why you think you get more frustrated with like the spiritual snakes because they do see it clearly and they still act through the lens of distortion and division and whatnot, because yeah, the more, more we have this conversation and seeing that and seeing, you know, whether it's from serial killers to believers or anything that it's inevitable, like given their path, but, but for those who do recognize it and still, it's almost like the, like the Sith Lord almost like, or the dark side of the force. It's like, they recognize their power. They recognize the capabilities. They recognize what is, and they still, and, and there's so many things like in just getting into star Wars with like ego identification versus the lack thereof. And like fear versus flow, all those spectrums are like Jedi, Jedi to Sith sort of spectrums. And it's pretty fascinating how, well intertwined that is and i gotta rewatch those because i've seen all of them and used to love star wars growing up and but yeah it's it's interesting just comparing it to like a, a darth vader or uh senator palpatine sith lord any of the sith lords like they recognize that they see it clearly and they still act in distortion because they are tied to that illusion of identification and ego identification and and need for control and, and desire for, for power and more for me as opposed to, you know, and, and identifying at the level of the skin, sort of identifying just as that. And whether they fully recognize it or not, I guess is up to up for debate. Cause if they fully did, then it's, it's tough to actually act like that, but yeah, it's interesting to see. So yeah, 
uh, spiritual snakes are kind of like uh, the dark side of the force in a way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where they recognize there's a path and that if they stop at a certain point, they can still take advantage of that path for their own benefit. And, and that that is so easy to fall into. Like I said in the last episode, you know, like I, I've struggled with it because of course I, I exist in a capitalistic world. And so I have to survive, I have to pay rent, I have to feed my family, I have to do all of that. And, and so with all of this knowledge over the years, I've been like, oh, maybe I should make a course, maybe I should do this. And even when I was life coaching, at one point my fees were way higher than they are right now. And it's just because I had to survive. But the more I, I did that, the more I was trying to embody the insights that I was experiencing, the less I wanted to make money off of it, the less I felt right about pursuing profit rather than just paying my bills. That was the difference, right? It's like, how much do I really need, right? Just to keep me going so I can continue to spread this message. How much do I really need just to, to you know, maintain my life rather than, you know, make me a better, more valuable person with more power and, and you know, um, influence over reality and so on and so forth. And so you always have to sacrifice that need or that urge in order to see the next insights, but the next insights are more unifying. That's the beautiful part about them is that as you surrender that need to benefit yourself, what you realize is that you've just benefited everyone, which is yourself, right? That's the thing about selflessness is that selflessness on a larger scale is selfish because everything's you, right? So selflessness is a strategy for ongoing growth of the collective. And we need to come around to that perspective because right now it's selfishness is the only way to benefit. It's like in the short term, in the short term, self, selfishness will benefit you until the, the, the bill comes due, until the consequence is there. And that's, that's that whole point. And the consequence is your ongoing lack of peace. It's your ongoing need for that money and those accolades and those followers and that, that, that assumption that they make about you. That's the cost. You're never free. Right? So you can be free and share it with people, or you can sacrifice your freedom in order to maintain the illusion of certainty and control, and then everybody suffers as a result. Yeah, it's been fascinating for me to be able to recognize and kind of see that very clearly in through content and like gaining followers. And it's like this ever moving stick. And there was an episode that I mentioned this in, in season one, just how the bar keeps changing. If you are deriving your sense of value from the external, it doesn't matter if it's, you have a thousand followers and you want 10,000 when you want, when you have 10,000, you want a hundred thousand, you have a hundred thousand, you want a million. And it's like, there isn't, there's not a level that you're like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm chilling. Like people think that there is, but there isn't until you recognize that that is not where your value is derived from. And then all of a sudden it doesn't matter in that, in that same sort of way, but there is no bar that is pure satisfaction. And you see it like we see it over and over with celebrities and millionaire billionaires and and people with just who seemingly have it all in the eyes of society and they're still not happy like it's it's incredible how we see it over and over and over and over and yet it's still what people shoot for like they still shoot for it and there are more depressed celebrities than 
like depressed, not celebrities. It's, it seems like a lot of times, maybe not technically, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many because I, and I think, and then again, Jim Carrey is someone who has talked about this because I don't think there's a ton of people like him that have gotten to his level of fame and recognized and been like, this isn't it. And been able to kind of reel it back a little and be like, oh, there, there are other things to this. And that is where probably he found his clarity was in that recognition of, I've been working for this my entire life. I thought this was it. And it's not like, I'm not fulfilled in all of these accomplishments, but it's incredible. And I still get caught up in it too, because it's such, it runs so rampant in our society, this idea of, of getting more, whether it's money or followers or, or anything like that, that, that there's going to come a point where it's enough. And it, it never is until you realize that it is right now. Like this is it right now in the doing itself. But something else I wanted to bring up on, on this side of it, because I kind of wrestle with this a little bit because even, even the idea of, of what is enough is something that I've always, I've never felt like I needed more necessarily, but I've also never known like what is enough, whether it's even, even something like saving money, it's always been pretty easy for me to save money. I don't, I know that I don't have a ton of needs necessarily, and I've sort of been able to recognize that. So through that, it's like I've been able to save up a decent amount because I just don't spend a ton on, on a bunch of bullshit that I think is going to like build up my value. But sometimes I, I don't know, because there are things that I, I enjoy doing, like traveling or, or skiing or something that are expensive and they can add up a lot. So like part of me is like, well, I want to have enough to be able to do those things and not having to constantly be like working in every moment, like to just be meeting it in that way. So it's something that I've kind of been not wrestling with, but just contemplating a little bit. Like I have no idea where enough is in that way. Like I know right now that I do, like I'm able to survive very easily and pay my rent well and, and all of that and have enough left over to keep saving a little more and, and investing it in, in different stuff. But uh, I don't know, part of me is like, well, if I, if I save up enough, then I, I don't have to worry about making as much money down the road to pay it if I can just like make less money month to month and then have some saved up and use that. And like, I don't know, because there are things I like doing that are expensive. So, but I think just the whole idea is recognizing even where that level is and that it's okay to have, like have more to, to save, but it's like, I don't know, it seems like you're kind of talking about the levels where it's like, you just, it's kind of like that fuck you money that you don't even have, you don't even know what you could do with it. So you buy a fucking like Bezos buying his yacht. That's like the size of the empire state building or not actually, but essentially, and he's having like a whole town, like tear down their bridge so he can have it built and like left. It's like, that's absurd. Like, so I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're talking about that level, but I I've just been kind of going back and forth with that. Cause I just don't know. And obviously 
I don't know. I feel like you've had more experience with, and maybe it, it comes back to two, like a confidence in yourself in a way, almost like knowing that you'll always be able to make it no matter what you'll figure it out, whatever happens, you'll figure it out. And I sort of have that mentality, but also like, I do like having some security in my back pocket for, for if things do hit the fan, but I don't know. Yeah. There's no right answer there. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like it's nice to have a bit of a cushion. So that way, if, if things hit the fan, you're not immediately, you know, hitting the ground running, trying to figure things out. Right. Cause you can do that. And, and knowing that you can do that is kind of part of the journey. Understanding like if everything just went up in, in flames, you could make it nonetheless. In fact, you'd just start the cycle over again and you'd be back at a point within you know a very short period of time where you're once again going, do I need all this? Do I want all this? And stuff like that. And that's exactly how, how quickly it goes when, when you have faith in yourself. When you don't have faith in yourself and everything goes up in flames, it takes you a little longer. And it's typically because you're still working through all of that idea of faith in yourself and, and, and trusting to the flow and all of that other stuff. But I think the biggest, the biggest thing to keep in mind is the difference between want and need, right? Like it's okay to want to go skiing. It's okay to want to, to go to an amusement park, or it's okay to want to travel to Europe and, and all that. The question is, do you need to, right? Because if you need to, then you're going to pine away for it when you can't, right? You're going to judge yourself because you can't, you're going to compare yourself to people who can, and that's going to create a whole thing in your head. And that's going to make you suffer as a result, but you don't need to want something in order for it to happen. This is so very important to remember that you don't need to constantly be thinking about what you want in order for the possibility to still be there, right? You can think, yeah, I'd like to travel. And then all of a sudden reality will come around. Circumstances will change where you have an extra grand or two and you're not taking it out of anybody's pocket and you're not hurting for it. It's just there from some weird circumstance. Like, Hey, let's go skiing. And you enjoy it because you haven't been pining away for it. You're going to enjoy it more when you're there because it's not going to be like, oh God, it's going to end soon, uh, right? You're, you're going to be in a different mentality entirely. And, and so it's okay to want to go into different directions. It's the need that hurts us, right? And I was saying this in a video recently that you can abandon your need for the end result and the possibility of that end result is still there. It's just your journey to it that changes, your need for it that changes. And if suddenly your direction goes, or rather if suddenly you go in a different direction, you're okay with that too. You can actually reprioritize and change your perspectives based on the journey that you're having. Because maybe the thing you wanted isn't actually the thing you wanted, you thought it would be. Maybe suddenly you'll get a, a moment of clarity and go, actually, I don't really wanna do that. That looks like fun. And then your direction changes. But if you're so dedicated to the thing you need, you're never changing direction. You're never changing your experience of it. In fact, you're diminishing your experience of it just because you lack. That that makes sense. Yeah. No, I I hear you pretty clearly on that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I've been, uh, like my family as a family growing up, we would go on you know a vacation here and there, and it was always something that I looked forward to so much and it was so exciting and it was, it's awesome. Like, you know, being able to look forward to something, but then, you know, there's always like a sort of hangover, even when you're young, like 10 years old after, you know, you go to Disney world or something then it's like, Oh, well, now it's over. And now I go back to life. But more recently, the last you know year or two, I've been able to see and recognize that this moment I'm on vacation is no different 
than this moment when I'm not. And all of the potential options that I have to experience my internal and experience reality are available, whether I'm on vacation or not. And so it's like, it's not that I don't appreciate being like on a tropical place or, or anything like that, but it's, it's a recognition that like, this is awesome and life anywhere else is also awesome all the time. So kind of like you were saying, it, it goes from, it's not a need anymore. It's just a potential opportunity to experience something new, kind of like, that's all it is. It's not this, it's not bigger than that. It's not more than just what it is in that moment. And it's never anything more than what it is in that moment. And it's always, and it's, it's fascinating that it kind of ties, because I kind of forgot about those feelings that, I, that I've felt is like, there isn't as much looking forward to because that take anytime you're looking forward to a moment, you're, you're diminishing every single moment leading up to it. So there isn't as much of that. And then there, but it's still something I enjoy. Certainly. Like I, I like going to the beach. I've always loved going to the beach and being in the ocean and riding waves and, and hanging out, but it's not, it's just, it's more kind of in that neutrality as opposed to a super high low, which leads to a super or super high high that leads to a super deep low. And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty fascinating that it, it's like the want versus need understanding and recognizing like even this year, I was hoping kind of like when I tore my ACL last year or going through surgery, I was like, Oh, I got to be better, like ready for next season. Like I really want to ski skiing. is one of my favorite things to do. And I, I did. So I went with some friends to Montana and got a couple of days in, in Utah. And so I think I skied like four or five days and I was like planning on, you know, I want to go out a bunch this year. And then after that, I was like, I kind of got my fix and all of a sudden, all of this, this desire was like, you know, I'm still not even a full year out of surgery. Like it's still, there's still a little bit of risk here. Like, is it really worth it? Like I love skiing, but I also love doing all different other things. And so I decided like, I'm not probably not going to ski again this year, maybe one more or two more times we'll see. But like, it was such a simple understanding, like simple realization. Like I don't have to like, I, I like it. I enjoy it. But like, if I'm going to be a little bit hesitant, it's like, is it really worth it? And being able to see that clearly, like this isn't something I need to do. It's something I enjoy, but I also enjoy all these other things. And, and so all of a sudden, I don't know, it's like in this state, everything is sort of enjoyable in its own way, like experiencing itself, like experiencing right now, no matter what it's like, everything else is just kind of like something kind of layered onto it. But if that base is already satisfactory or enjoyable in and of itself, it almost doesn't as matter as much like what is layered on or where you are or who you're with or what you're around or what you're doing in the eyes of everyone else. Like that so much of it is like tied to how people are perceiving what you're doing. And that's why people find it so important to document everything. Like when they're at a restaurant, it's like, do you actually want to be at that restaurant or are you just doing it? Cause you're getting a cool video because the server is like dropping the pasta in a block of cheese and, and you got a video of it now. And it's like, no one even gives a shit about that video anyway, but that's the whole reason that you came and paid $50 for a plate of pasta that you could have made at home. 
and it's it's interesting how often that happens, especially these days. But yeah, when when you don't have that feeling of need or that's rooted in lack, that everything's a little bit more neutral, and it's just like everything's more enjoyable for for the experience itself. It's not for anything layered on top of it or outside of it. Yeah, because when it's a need, it's very much akin to an addiction. And addictions always have consequences, right? It's the same with, uh, like, I, I like having a drink from time to time. I like to smoke a joint from time to time. But if I'm ever having a day where I'm like, oh, I need a drink, I won't touch one, right? Because immediately it changes the entire experience of having it. If it's a need, it changes. It changes. And, and so getting out of that diminishes the consequence. So not just the consequence going into it, but the consequence coming out of it, because that's the thing is that if you're, if you need that experience over and over and over again, and then you leave the experience, all of a sudden you feel loss, you feel lack, like you, it's like, Oh my God, I need to get back to that experience. And you start planning your next trip as soon as you've gotten home. Right. And it's because you're not coming to terms with the rest of your life from moment to moment to moment, because each and every moment is whole and complete in itself. Each and every moment is the entirety of existence. Right. And if you're not experiencing that, then it's because you have things in the way. If you're not experiencing the enthusiasm that goes with being in the middle of that, then it's because you have too many concepts and illusions in the way. And that's that's the thing to work at is just getting all of your assumptions of reality and your experience out of the way. So that way you're literally dancing as a part of existence itself. And that's when you feel enthusiasm. That's when you feel like you're possessed by God. funny you bring up that uh like when you when you feel like you need a drink is is the time that you don't i have felt that a few times with mushrooms with microdosing there have been days where i like have something coming up or like there was one podcast i was a guest on it was the uh sean t one that's like the by far the biggest podcast i've been on yet the episode still isn't out but i think it will be soon and it was very interesting because i was a little bit nervous leading up to it um and I, I was thinking that morning, like, oh, should I take a little microdose? Like, that'll probably chill me out a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I don't need it. I don't, I'll be just fine without it. And it's like, I could have, there was not, there would have been nothing wrong with me doing that. But there was just something that was like, you don't need it. You'll be totally fine. And so I think it was almost like that decision in itself that faith in myself without the external set me up to like help propel me into doing a great job. And throughout the episode, having faith in myself to answer everything very articulately and how I want to and whatever. And it's like, sure, if I had had it and, and taken, you know, half a gram or, or 0.2 or whatever I would have taken, it's like that decision in itself feeling like I, it's like almost, I don't have enough faith in myself. I need an external. Then when the episode came around, if something did come up that I was like, not super sure about, it would be like, oh, well, I needed that then maybe I need it now. And now I'm like, and now I'm, I'm freaking out. And it's like all this stuff, which, you know, may or may not have happened, who knows, but it was like that decision in itself, which I hadn't, I, I sort of recognized it in that moment. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't need it. And saw it afterwards. Like, yeah. And I even mentioned it on the podcast because he was asking a little bit about mushrooms. And I mentioned how I was a little bit nervous coming into the episode and I thought about taking it, but I, I 
knew that I didn't need it. Like I, I had the faith in myself. And, and so that was when I was talking about how a lot of the work with mushrooms happens in a sober state. It's not, it doesn't do the work for you. You do the work. It can allow you to, you know, can peel you back a little bit to, to have a little bit more of a sense of clarity, but yeah, until now I, I didn't really recognize that, but it's funny you brought up like the days that you feel like you need a drink, the days that you don't. And it's like the collective mentality is like, that is the day that you have you don't have one, you have, you have five when you need it. It's like, and so that's very interesting, but definitely resonates. Well, what's great about that is that you, you avoided rewiring your brain to think that it needed that for the next podcast, right? That's the whole point. Now your brain's just like, yeah, I'm good. And it's going to reinforce that decision each and every time you have a podcast appearance coming up now, because you've reinforced that, no, I'm good. I'm holding complete in myself, which doesn't mean that you can't go and, and, and use psychedelics and be whole and complete in yourself. I mean, the experience of psychedelics while you're whole and complete in yourself is still fun, right? But that's the difference. And it's funny how psychedelics can bring you to that point where you recognize exactly how much need and narrative you have. And then it can become another narrative if you hold on to it, right? Like there was a decade where I didn't touch psychedelics at all, right? And it was just because... There was no point. I knew where they were going to take me, right? It was just applying that here and now. And you can't constantly be on, on psychedelics to do that because again, you're going to come down eventually, right? It's not going to keep doing the heavy lifting for you. So you have to learn to do that heavy lifting yourself. And it's not heavy. It, it seems heavy at first because you don't have the muscles. You haven't developed that strength to, to know that you can do it. That's really it, right? And that's what you went through in that podcast. You're like, should I, should I use this to help me lift that weight? No, no, I'm good. I've been lifting weights long enough. Yeah, I've got this. And that changed everything. Oddly enough, you got stronger. And the next time the weight's going to be even heavier and you're not going to notice it. And that's, that's manifesting, right? That is, that is it happening now. You, I manifested an existence in which I built that faith in myself and it wasn't didn't have to write it down didn't have to be grateful for having some shit that I don't actually have it's just like made a decision in that moment that changed every moment that came after and probably forever just right then and there just simple little choice and I didn't even really think twice about it but it was just a recognition then and there and yeah like that that's sort of manifesting how we how we talk about it. And it's like, it's something that's happening now that, yeah, it can, it can lead you down certain ways or, or allow you to recognize things or kind of take you down a, a path of understanding and build up a sort of resilience through recognition that's happening now. But it, it's not this thing that you're, you're reaching for. It's not the carrot on the stick in front of your face that you're, that you're, you know, biting at for months and months or years and years. It's just every single moment you're manifesting your existence. Every single moment, every single choice that you make is it. You are it right now, manifesting everything <laughs> here and now. Yeah. And if you lack nothing, you're manifesting a lack of lack or abundance, right? That's the thing about manifestation. It's like, you know, I, I want to manifest these things, because then my life will be complete. It's like, so you're thinking about this from lack, which is what you're going to manifest because there's that need, right? And that need always breeds more consequence and it takes away our, our level of clarity. It takes away our level of influence. It actually makes it more and more difficult 
to find that level of alignment, which we think what we want is going to do for us. But what we want never does that for us. It's the cessation of our want that brings us into alignment. So anybody who would like more on this specific conversation about manifestation, I feel uh, that I should mention that Andrew and I actually hosted a manifestation workshop last year. You can find that online at dualisticunity.com. Um, you can pick it up in the store. It's a digital download. It's four episodes that went on over four weeks. Each episode's about an hour and a half. So it's a six-hour workshop specifically on manifestation, clarity, and everything that we were talking about the last 10 to 15 minutes here on, the, on this podcast episode. So I definitely encourage you to go and do that. Um, you can also get a discount on those workshops by being a Patreon member. Uh, Patreon um, has discounts for each tier of support. So if you're uh, tier two or tier three, you will get a larger discount on workshops that are already out as well as workshops that will be coming up later in this year. Andrew and I are currently working on a workshop uh, specifically about belief and God. And then at some point, we're going to be doing a workshop probably about growing your uh, conscious minded social media account or, or growing your campaign. If you're talking about this particular subject, because I know a lot of people are. And as Andrew and I have mentioned in, in numerous podcast episodes, it's not easy to get traction when you're talking about a mentality that is so drastically different from the majority. Um, so if you are on this path, you're creating a podcast, you're on TikTok, you're, you're talking about the fact that there is no division that you or me and everybody else, we want to help with that. So we're going to offer you some, some tips and some advice, some strategies that we've learned over the last six months of working here on the podcast, some strategies that Andrew has learned in becoming viral on TikTok. So that's going to be a workshop that should be coming out in the next month or two. So keep an eye on that. Uh, you can subscribe to our email list at dualisticunity.com and you'll receive updates. Yeah, excited, excited for both of those. Uh, those will, yeah, be a lot of fun and, and just communicating with people about this stuff. That's what I love doing. So, um, yeah, super looking forward to those and our, uh, yeah, live, live workshop on Wednesday or live group zoom. That's going to be public. So anyone here, even if you're not on Patreon, feel free to sign up at dualiscommunity.com and then it'll be followed by another hour of just Patreon, uh, group chat. So definitely check those out as well. But yeah, uh, just that last thing we were talking about with manifestation and the idea of people manifesting things that they want, it's, it's, it's fascinating because even people who I see, I come across some people who are very into that sort of manifestation and like positivity affirmations, they have written all over their room and, and all that stuff. And it's like, when you're able to see that, that it really, and they will, they will argue this for sure, that it stems from and is rooted in lack. Like it can't not be, because if you don't feel lack there's nothing to want unless i it's like i don't know could it is that possible do you think like you can yeah. you can have a vision board you can you can decide there are certain experiences that you would like to have it's the need right that's the problem and that is the problem with the concept of vision board is that it's marketed as a direct path to what you want rather than just a way for you to prioritize what, what experiences you might like to have, which is a very different use of the vision board, right? Like you can make a vision board and go, you know, a trip to the Bahamas, or you can say um, a new car, or you can do any of those things. And you can think of it in terms of that's something that would add to my experience. That's something that would be nice. It's something I would enjoy, so on and so forth. But if it's a need, it's immediately taken out of the experience you're having right now, right? Which makes it harder for you to get to it. 
that's the kick in the teeth is that it takes you out of the moment where you are creative and intelligent and clear enough to actually see the doorways that would get you to that path. That's the problem with manifestation as, as wish as wishing, right? Cause that's what manifestation typically is in, in spiritual terms. It's just want it bad enough. It's basically like praying, right? It's really not that different. Um, whereas the reality of manifestation is alignment has nothing to do with wishing. It has nothing to do with thinking. It has nothing to do with any of that. It, it's about realizing that you are reality and then finding the door that goes in that direction, not because you need it, but because you have the clarity to find it, to see it, because it's fun to do. So it's kind of like a treasure hunt, except that you don't need the treasure. Yeah, like it's being able to see that more clearly, like just the idea of having a vision board, if it turns and you can tell if it turns into a need because it becomes such a focus. And like, if you have that vision board on your wall and you're spending time, even if it's just a few minutes a day, like focusing on it so much and being like, here I am. It's like, you're, you're not though, you're, you're here now. You're not, you're not there. And it really is like manifesting a sensation of lack because inevitably it, because you don't have those things. So it's like, yeah, sure. Draw it up, write it up. But every moment you spend focusing on that is a moment you spend not focusing on this right now. And so even if you get it, you've manifested the focus and attention on that, on not this, this being your experience. And so even if you get it, you've manifested an existence that isn't experiencing what is so even when you have it what are you you're just going to make another vision board probably and then it's like this cycle until until you die and there's never any experience of right now but the beauty is that it's always available you don't need a vision board to experience right now you don't need any guru or spiritual teacher or anything you don't have, you can stop listening to us right now like the experience of right now is always available. And that's the simple beauty of everything that we've ever talked about is like, there's nothing more you need to know. No, because it's your dream. This is your dream. The, the problem that we get is that we tend to forget how powerful we are. And so we get lost in our conception, in our concepts and our narratives and our ideas. And then we experience that. And we don't understand that what we've just done is created an illusion within the illusion. So we can't align with our dream while we're creating another superficial dream within it that's taking all of our attention. We actually have to peel away all of our, our uh, voluntary illusions in order to recognize the illusion that is our existence, right? And that, that's the whole point is just coming to terms with, well, we would call it, commonly call it psychosis. It's, it's the idea that your thoughts are reality. Right. And we all suffer from that on, on some level or another. But once you come to terms with that, once you can actually look at that happening, it becomes easier to get out of it. But you actually have to just come to terms with the fact that it's happening. You can't beat yourself up for it. You can't go, oh, you know, I'm fooling myself again. How stupid am I? You're just doing it again. Right. It's just coming to terms with the recognition. Right. I'm always thinking that doesn't mean it's truth. Right. Thinking is always happening. That doesn't mean it's reality. And as soon as you do that, you start to recognize that freedom. You start to recognize the, the connection that you have to the dream and the fact that you have always been 
the dreamer and the dream combined with the unique perspective of a, of a division, which in itself is a gift if you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the illusion of division is kind of where the fun comes into it, as long as it's not taken as the truth. And yeah, it's like, it's no different than if there was no illusion of division. And that's how we started off the episode. And yeah, it's like, this is, it's the same thing. And it's just the illusion of more to experience, but it's all, there's no separation. There's no time. There's no space. It's just right now. And you're it forever. And on that note, we will end episode seven of season two. We'll see you next week for episode eight. Definitely join us on dualisticunity.com, Patreon, and our Discord server. We'll see you soon. Bye, everyone.